Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today, we are tackling some misconceptions. There are huge misconceptions like losing weight means you have to be hungry and that you have to deprive yourself. And really with the messages on every show, I want to defy that. I want to show you and walk with you as you realize that it's not about how little you can eat. It's about how well you can eat. And it's not about fighting against your body. It's about working with it. Oftentimes, in order to do that, we've got to be clear on what we think is true that's not true. Realistically, there is a lot. Most things we don't realize aren't actually true. And we go about our days and we strategize and we make choices based on things that we think are true, but are not. And there are pros and cons to being in this information age where anybody with an opinion can share it with the world. And I think there are absolutely more advantages to that than there are disadvantages. But what it also means is that there's a lot of incomplete information or straight up inaccurate information. And when that stuff informs our choices, it can make things a lot harder. So today we're going to tackle a handful of these misconceptions. And a bunch of them came up in the form of questions in response to episode 469. So 469, if you guys remember, is where I was talking about extended fasting. And my last seven-day fast, my first ever seven-day water fast. One of the things I talked about in episode 469 was that I kept my blood sugar very stable throughout the fast. My blood sugar stayed stable. I didn't really have to do anything to keep it that way. And that my ketones, my blood ketones were elevated. And a bunch of questions came in that pointed to some common misconceptions. We're going to clear them up. I tested during my fast my blood ketones via a finger prick. And just so everybody is on the same page, ketones are a fuel source, something the body can run on, and they are created as a byproduct of fat metabolism. So when our bodies are burning fat, as opposed to burning sugar, ketones are produced and they can fuel the body. Which leads to the question, how do I know if I'm in ketosis? How do I know if my body is burning fat as fuel? How can I be sure? Now, my big picture common sense perspective is, does it really matter if you're getting the results you want? 
I'm going to talk very specifically about how you can know and what are some of those misleading things that feed into these misconceptions. But ultimately, does it matter if you're in ketosis or does it just matter that you're getting the results you want, whether that's fat loss, less hunger, fewer cravings? But I get it. Some people want to know. And there are a couple ways to measure ketones. The most common way, because it's the least expensive and the easiest, is urine strips. So it kind of works like a pregnancy test. You pee on the strip and it turns a certain color. The darker the color, the more ketones in your urine. Alternatively, a finger prick, kind of like a blood glucose test or when you go to give blood and they check your iron levels, just a little finger prick and then you put the blood up against the strip and it tells you not via a color, but it gives you a actual number. Like your ketones are 0.8 or 1.2 or 3.1. When I was doing the fast, I used the finger prick, the blood test, but every once in a while, a couple times, I also did the urine strips only to prove that the urine strips suck. And this is the big misconception. People think that a good way to tell if they are in ketosis is by these urine strips. Nope, not true. Here's why. When we have ketones in our urine, it means that there's an excess of ketones in the system. And the excess has to be excreted in the urine. So yes, if the strips are dark, you are in ketosis and that's great. But if the strips are not dark, it doesn't mean that you're not in ketosis. And so so many people will get frustrated and give up based on this misconception. Urinary ketones does mean there are ketones being produced, but it means there's an excess. One of my clients emailed me shortly after that fasting episode and said that she started testing her ketones via these urine strips. And here's what I told her. That is like assessing whether or not somebody made dinner based exclusively on if there were leftovers. Let's say you go on a business trip and your spouse says, I'm going to take care of dinner. I'll cook every night. Don't worry. We won't order pizza. I will cook every night. And the way you made them prove it was by showing you the leftovers. And you decided that if there aren't leftovers, dinner was not made. Not true, right? Maybe there just weren't any leftovers. They ate it all. The same is true with urinary ketones. You could be in ketosis and not show it with these urine test strips because there aren't any leftovers. There's not any spillover. Maybe your body is really efficient in its production and it's using what it, what it creates and it's not making any more. Or maybe your body is working really hard and only has the capacity right now to create what is necessary and there isn't any leftover. So a couple times I tested both. I was doing blood ketones every day, but when, when I started to see ketones in my blood on the first day where that number was over zero or zero point, over 0 0.2, nothing was registering on those urine strips. And then even when that number was like 1.8, nothing was registering on those urine strips. So I was in ketosis, but if I had been testing just via the urine... I would have probably felt pretty frustrated. You can be in ketosis and not see it on these urinary test strips. So bottom line here is 
They tell you if there's leftovers, if there's spillover, but they aren't telling you if you're in ketosis or not. So my bottom line is don't waste your money on urine test strips. I also don't think you need to spend your money on the blood test either, but you certainly can. If what you're after is results, then look at if you're getting the results you want, not am I in ketosis or not. But I will link to the blood monitor that I used for those of you that want that concrete data. I don't think it's necessary, but if you're curious, I will link to the ketone blood monitor that I used uh, over on the show notes for today's episode. While we are on the topic of urine, everybody's favorite thing to talk about, I want to address another major misconception. And this one also came up based on episode 469, which was on extended fasting. Is it healthy? I'm really understanding that. So in episode 469, and also in episodes 300, 307, and 310, I explain how and why your body uses fat as fuel during a fast, not muscle tissue during a fast. So as long as you have fat to burn, and individuals with single-digit body fat probably shouldn't be doing extended fasting, but as long as you have fat to burn, your body is going to burn that and not your muscle tissue. Someone messaged me and said, you're wrong, Elizabeth. There are studies that show urea, urea is a byproduct of protein metabolism. There are studies that show this byproduct of protein metabolism and it increases in the urine during fasts. So if there is an increase in this byproduct of protein metabolism in the urine, that means you're burning muscle. Nope, nope, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why. So yes, I agree that urea in the urine means there is protein metabolism happening. So if you're not fasting, that makes a whole lot of sense, right? You eat chicken breast and you metabolize chicken breast and the byproduct of protein metabolism is urea and you're going to see that excreted in your urine. Got it. But why might urea increase during a fast? You're not eating any protein So if it's not your muscle tissue and it's not any protein you've eaten because you're not eating, what would it be? Let's first establish the most common sense element here, which is muscle tissue is not the only protein in our bodies, right? And in episode 469 and also in episode 470, we talked about one protein breakdown process that we're actually seeking to activate during a fast, and that is autophagy. If you haven't listened to 469 and 470, definitely go back and do that. But autophagy is that cellular self-cleaning process. And we want that because it's anti-aging. It helps keep us healthy. And when that is activated, and fasting is one way to activate it, broken parts, old parts, duplicate parts of the cells are destroyed. And this is a great thing. We want that because When these broken parts, these decayed parts, these non-functioning parts stick around, we aren't as healthy as we could be. And they get duplicated and incorporated into the fabric of our bodies. And that can be the origin of disease, accelerated aging. And so autophagy is removing these parts. And a lot of these parts, the majority of these parts are proteins. And so we're going to see evidence of that in the urine. That's a good thing. 
The other part of it is when we burn fat, and we think about our body fat stores, it's not just pure fat. There's connective tissue in there. That's protein. There's blood vessels in there. Parts of those are protein. Loose skin, protein. So seeing this increase in urea when we're fasting isn't a problem. It's exactly what we want. And it doesn't mean that we're burning lean muscle tissue because there are lots of other protein components in the body. And all of this big picture goes back to what's happening in our urine doesn't necessarily reflect one thing happening in the body. There's lots of different things going on and we have to consider all of them. The other thing to remember specific to seeing protein metabolism during a fast and is it lean muscle tissue or is it not? Remember that we do not shift to fat burning right away when we fast. And we talked about this in 469. First, our body is going to use those glycogen reserves. Glycogen is the storage form of glucose, long chains of glucose in the liver and the muscle tissue. First, we go through that. And then there's a period of time of gluconeogenesis where the body is using amino acids to create glucose from the amino acids before we shift into fat burning, ketosis. And a lot of these studies looking at urea in the urine or evidence of protein metabolism during a fast, they're only looking at fasts that are, say, 24, 36, 48 hours. Guys, we know we don't shift into that fat-burning mode until, like, day three. Now, before you tell yourself there's no point in a fast shorter than 48 hours, then you're wrong. Listen to episode 469 because I explain why that's not the case. So protein metabolites in the urine during a fast are expected and it doesn't mean that we are burning lean muscle mass, all right? Now, there is a bigger picture here about fasting. It's not how we fast that determines our health. It's how we eat. It's how we live the majority of the time. So if fasting makes you nervous or you don't like the idea of it, don't do it, right? There are a million people who shouldn't fast, and I've talked about this in episode 300 and 307, uh, as well as a little bit in 469, if your body fat is really low, or if you're just mentally not in a good place about it and you're seeing it as a crash diet or you're not consistently eating clean, don't do it. And the same thing, if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to burn muscle. I mean, you're probably not, but if you're worried about it, don't fast. There are a hundred other ways to improve your health. Fasting is just one of them. And then there's the whole issue that we're not going to dive deeply uh, into today about what happens after a fast with things like mTOR and growth hormone and how your body efficiently replaces those protein components that were recycled and eliminated, makes your body stronger. Anybody who looks at fasting without looking at what happens after fasting, it's not a complete picture. And we're not going to go into a whole lot of that today, but Dr. Jason Fung, who is one of the authors, along with Jimmy Moore, of The Complete Guide to Fasting, he explains this so well. You can't just look at a fast without looking at afterwards because doing that is like looking at a renovation project and saying, oh my gosh, who would renovate? It destroys everything. It makes a huge mess. Renovations only make things worse without looking at like what happens after the renovation. And it's very, very, very applicable to fasting. But again, that's a whole other topic for another day. 
The next myth, misconception that I want to address is related to eating frequently. Meals and snacks and never going more than a couple of few hours without food because that's what will take your metabolism from slow to fast. It's what's going to keep your metabolism humming right along. And you know what, friend? If fat loss is your goal, that is just not true. Now, if your goal is to put on weight, to build muscle and get bigger, well, then that's different. But for fat loss, the idea that we need to eat every few hours is straight up not true. Not true. There is a mindset component here before we go into why that's not true. If, for you, eating every few hours is an improvement from binging a couple of times a day, then do what is an improvement for you based on what works for you. But there are so many people who have been told and who believe, and this messaging really started with the advent of snack foods and increased food availability, and it helped sell more food. But this idea that we need to eat every few hours is just not true. Not true. And the reason is all about hormones. I want you to think for a second about your body as a pinball machine of all things. And if you've played pinball before, then you know that the ball comes down and you can hit it back up. And let's say if your body is a pinball machine, that you can only burn fat when the ball is at rest at the bottom of the machine. And eating every few hours is like pinging that ball back up every single time it gets to the bottom. Comes down to the bottom, bam, back up. You just ate, you get a little hungry, bam, back up, back up, back up, back up. And your grazing and your snacking and your frequent meals never allows that ball to sit and rest at the bottom because every time it comes back down, you hit it back up. That is the equivalent to what we do when we are eating every few hours. As soon as the digestive process slows down and we get to a point where our body could turn to fat as fuel, up, oh, nope, snack time, up, oh, nope, handful of nuts, up, oh, nope, half a protein bar, up, oh, nope, bulletproof coffee. We need insulin. Think of insulin as that ball, blood sugar as that ball. We need it to be low and stay low to be at rest, to not be activated in order to facilitate fat burning. In order to burn fat, we need growth hormone to be elevated and we need glucagon to be elevated. And eating suppresses both of those things. We need insulin to not be at work in the digestive process in order to burn fat. And when we eat, here comes insulin the fuel delivery and storage hormone. Now, eating suppresses growth hormone and glucagon. Overeating buries them. We cannot have this surge of growth hormone when we're in that digestive mode. And every time we get that first twinge of hunger, oh, it's been a couple hours, I'm going to have a snack. It is just hitting that ball back up, hitting that ball back up, hitting that ball back up. Suppressing growth hormone, suppressing glucagon, suppressing growth hormone, suppressing glucagon. uh, Glucagon is what mobilizes our fat stores so they can be burned. And growth hormone is what triggers the enzymes like lipoprotein lipase that are responsible for actually breaking down the fat for fuel. 
So you don't have to be into extended fasting, but to allow for fat burning, you cannot constantly be putting yourself in digestive mode. And the second that, you know, digestive process is over, it's been a couple hours since you've eaten, here you go again with a handful of something or a bite of this or a little mini meal or a snack. You have to allow your body to be in a situation where it is looking for fuel and you haven't provided it with a meal or a snack, that is going to allow for fat burning mode. And when we are constantly snacking, when we are regularly having meals, we're constantly in this digestive and postprandial mode and there's never a need for our body to turn to fat for fuel. This doesn't mean that you have to be hungry all the time. If you are, you're not eating the foods that are right for you. You want to find meals that satisfy you for an extended period of time. And that structure is going to look different for everybody. For me, it's a lot of non-starchy vegetables, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, some fat from whole food sources like avocado or coconut or ghee, and some protein. It's not a meal that only satisfies you for an hour or two is not the right meal for your body. And this is why so many times with my clients, I'm like, stop eating protein bars because they don't satisfy them. Okay, the last misconception that I want to address is that you can't work out during a fast because after your muscle glycogen is depleted, then you'll be gassed and you'll have no fuel and you can't work out. That is not the case. Now, I did not work out on my last seven-day fast, but I did work out last year on my five-day fast. The reason I didn't this time is not because I couldn't. It's because my primary objective in my fast was to detox. And exercising generates toxins because you're, you're stressing your body a little bit. And I didn't want to add those toxins to a situation where I was trying to detox. But you absolutely can work out during a fast. And not having any muscle glycogen does not mean that you do not have fuel for your workout. If you go into a fast and you are not an efficient fat burning, or you're not an efficient fat burner, maybe it's your first fast, or maybe you've been kind of on a standard American diet, or you eat a lot of sugar and starch, your body gets used to the type of fuel that's available to it. So if your muscles are used to always having muscle glycogen, then they're not going to be efficient at using fat for fuel. It'll take a couple of weeks of working out either in a fasted state without muscle glycogen reserves or on a keto style or very low carb diet for your body to become an efficient fat burner and use ketones as fuel during your workout. So don't go into a seven day fast for the first time thinking, oh, my body's going to use ketones for fuel. I'm going to feel great during my workouts. Your workouts are probably going to be tough. The key is a lot of people think that if they do a fasted workout in the morning, that they're going to be burning fat as fuel. Not necessarily. For example, let's say that your dinner last night was a sweet potato and, you know, at lunch you had um, some beets or a protein shake with a banana in it or something like that. You need to understand that you have glycogen in your muscle tissue, and so when you wake up and do a fasted workout, you're not using fat, you're using your stored muscle glycogen and your stored liver glycogen. 
So fasted workouts burn fat when there is not muscle glycogen, which could be the case a couple of days into a fast, or it could be the case if you are somebody who follows a keto diet or a very low-carb diet. So I just want to be clear that your body, your muscles, will burn fat as fuel during a workout, but you have to train your body to burn fat during the workout, and it's not going to happen when you have stored glycogen in your muscle tissue. So there are lots of different ways to go about that. A fast is certainly one of them. A lower-carb diet is another. A keto approach is another. And there are a lot of ketogenic athletes. They are not doing a, a fasting protocol oftentimes to teach their bodies to burn fat as fuel during a workout. It's just they're not eating sugar and starch to replenish their muscle glycogen. And so when they work out, their bodies are learning to use fat as fuel. So if you want to work out when you're fasting, or you want to work out without relying on glucose, work on becoming fat adapted. Again, there's lots of ways to do this. Fasting isn't the only one. Keto isn't the only one. Lower carb is certainly an option. But a couple weeks of teaching your body to use fat as fuel, either by following a very low-carb diet or a keto way or doing uh, some 24-hour fasts, things like that, really cutting back on sugar and starch, is going to be enough to help your muscles learn to be fat adapted. But again, understand that your body will not use fat to fuel your muscles in a workout when there is glycogen available in your muscle and liver tissue. All right. Before we say goodbye for today, about a month or so ago, we shifted away from three episodes a week to two episodes a week. And one of the reasons for that shift was so I would have more time to work on my book. And the other reason was to give you guys more of what you want, more video, and also more food stuff. So those of you that have been following me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton, have probably seen me cooking a lot more, and those episodes have made their way up to the blog. So if you haven't checked that out, if you're a podcast listener that doesn't often follow me on Instagram or check out the blog, I recently put up a recipe for Bloody Mary deviled eggs. They are so good, and I'm not even a deviled egg fan. Um, the cilantro lime cauliflower rice burrito bowls went out to the VIP email list. Uh, the tuna poke bowl, I featured some pictures of it first on Instagram. Now the recipe is up on the blog. And then there are just simpler things that I don't think necessarily require a recipe. Just was it last night? I don't know when this is going to air for you guys. But uh, as of when I'm recording it, I shared a whitefish dinner. I used the barramundi, which I got from my first meat box from Thrive Market. Barramundi is a very light, not fishy whitefish that I had that cooked it with just some garlic and butter and some roasted Brussels sprouts. So I'm really making an effort to not only share more of what I eat and how I make it over on Instagram, but share recipes on the blog or on the VIP list. And I maintain the fact that I don't like to spend a lot of money on a recipe. I find it really annoying to go to the grocery store and spend 60 bucks on one meal. I think that's insane. And I don't want to spend a lot of time either. 
So one thing that has made this easier for me to do as part of what I share with you guys through Primal Potential is I'm basing what I'm cooking on what I get in the mail so that I'm not going to the grocery store and spending 60 bucks on random ingredients that I'm only going to use a couple times. That's a huge part of making it work for me. And maybe you love going and buying the exotic ingredients. I don't. I don't like having things that I don't use, that I don't use often. So what I have been doing and what you will see more of is I get, you know, my standard order from Thrive Market and they just launched their meat boxes, which are even cheaper than Butcher Box. So I got the first one. It had um, the whitefish, barramundi. It had chicken. It had pork. It had a couple other things. Oh, shrimp. And so when the shrimp came in the mail, I thought, what do I have on hand that would be a really delicious, easy, and fat loss friendly meal? So I decided I would use that shrimp and I would make a spicy shrimp creole and have it over cauliflower rice. So instead of spending time and hours on Google going, hmm, what can I make this week? I'm looking at what I have and going from there. So yeah, today is a spicy shrimp creole with that shrimp from Thrive Market uh, over cauliflower rice. And I'll be sharing that over on Instagram. Follow me there if you just want to see some really simple, easy meal ideas. If I snack, when I snack, what I snack on. Uh, And then also get on the VIP email list. I think that the recipes have done really well there because they go right to your inbox. You don't have to hunt for them on the blog. And if you're in the U.S., all you have to do is text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 to get on that free VIP email list or just go to primalpotential.com slash join, J-O-I-N. So I promise to be sharing those things with you. And the recipes you see from me are going to be really straightforward. They're not going to include crazy exotic ingredients that you're never going to use again. I really try to focus on the staples. And I have to say... I was a little, I was a little doubtful, I guess is the right word, of the Thrive Market meat boxes. Um, it's They send it packed on dry ice, chicken, pork, fish, beef, etc. Because I had kind of fallen in love with ButcherBox. Uh, and I had just started using ButcherBox maybe three weeks before Thrive announced that they were doing it. But the quality is there. It's cheaper than Butcher Box. And what it's allowing me to do is say, okay, so they sent shrimp. What can I do with shrimp with what I have on hand? And it's actually made it a lot more fun for me. So definitely follow me on Instagram. Get on that VIP email list to see more of that kind of stuff. And if you want to give the Thrive Market meat boxes a try, or even some of the non-perishables, like the Primal Kitchen Mayo is a cooking staple for me. The coconut wraps, the new Coke coconut wraps are a staple for me. Uh, just go through thrivemarket.com forward slash Primal Potential because you'll save an additional 25% on that first order and get free shipping and a free 30-day membership. You know the spiel. But you can also see how I'm using the stuff in the box to eat really well. Because remember, it's not if you don't love what you're eating as you pursue your health, You're not doing it right. You should be able to, you are able to fully enjoy the foods you eat as you make progress towards your goal. And I want to help you do that. So hopefully you enjoyed clearing up these misconceptions. If you have any other questions, 
just let me know. Comment over on the show notes at primalpotential.com forward slash 471, and we will figure it out together. I'll link to Thrive Market on the show notes, as well as to Instagram, as well as to episodes 469 and 470, and anything else. Oh, and the uh, ketone monitor for those of you that are curious about that and want to prick your finger. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.